delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello and welcome to episode 495 of the Two Tackies for Saturday, January 25th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to talk about, discuss, debate, converse, scrutinise and explore the world of tech. And I've done for one week off... 10 years. On this week's episode, Apple prevents apps spying on you in the background. The UK won't implement Article 13 after Brexit. Oh, yeah, I said that word. And Sonos releases an unpopular upgrade. Hello, you're so welcome to episode 495. And good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is, wherever you're listening from, welcome to. The two tackies for, as I said, uh, January 25th, 2020. This is a podcast devoted to the week's most notable, or what we feel constitutes the week's most notable technology stories. And typically we try to wrap it up in around an hour or less. Just to benefit you, who has been so gracious to join us um, and, and put your own sanity at risk in doing so. So thank you for that. Aaron, hello. Hello. Did you notice what I said at the start? What did, what, what should I have noticed? You weren't, you weren't listening, were you? You just weren't listening. One week off, ten years. Is, that's that's big, right? Or is it just me? It's crazy to think that ten years is actually still only, like it's 2009, 2010 kind of era. It really doesn't seem like ten years ago. No, no, a decade. Um, next week we will um, have a slightly different format of show, understandably, naturally, to celebrate and to go over sort of the, the ten years that have been of the show what that looks like will be a surprise and whether it's going to be a surprise because of lack of planning or whether it's fully planned and ready to go that's just something you're going to have to guess where's your planning coming out this week in technology uh, it's been interesting enough it's been um slow ish but there has been significant news from around the globe and what i mean by that normally america and sometimes the uk takes over and swallows the the the, the news hasn't really been so much that the, the companies have been quiet enough but there has been um, a, a plethora of news and interesting information nonetheless before we do that you were at the apple store yesterday aaron for good reasons not not so much i guess not not really good reasons um cur to explain so again sorry i'm currently dealing with the fact that hangouts is the world's worst Point system. Yeah, it's all right. I see that. Um, you were at the Apple Store yesterday. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. If there's one thing I love doing on a Saturday, it's spending time. I would say battling the geniuses, but actually, in the end, I didn't have to to battle them so much. This week, randomly between Wednesday and Thursday, I, i.e., Wednesday it was working fine. Thursday it was not. Um, one of my AirPod Pros, the left one, all of a sudden, when I was walking, or you know, when you're taking a step, mm. it would like something was dislodged inside it, um, it, it, to me i mean i can't i can't actually imagine that because they're so compact it doesn't feel like there's any room for anything to rattle inside but i guess i mean well i guess there is i mean i guess that you know there's like what three three four microphones in there a tiny little battery like there's quite a lot of things that isn't it could isn't get dislodged is, i think you're right though isn't it crazy when What's you think that? of all the technology that is in that that small little thing it's ridiculous isn't it it's yeah. teeny tiny but um yeah, it was like rattling as if as if I dropped them or something, and you, know, you something had become dislodged inside. But I think apart from the odd minor drop, like two inches onto a desk, you know, when you're accidentally dropping, pulling out the case or whatever. Um, bearing in mind my old original AirPods survived so many drops to the floor, um, and they were absolutely fine. Um, this thing just started rattling, which was incredibly annoying. I've basically been sidelined. True first world problems. Basically been sidelined to uh, only listening to music and you have to find something that kind of matches the tempo of your walk so the click is kind of in time with the uh with the beat of the music how, um, how did you cope i know it like i say uh, it's truly a first world problem i have all the problems in the world a clicking airpod is definitely top five top three probably um but to be fair took it to the apple store the only annoyance is they didn't have them in stock but what can you do about that so i've got to go back again um but yeah they were just like yeah we'll just replace it it's like oh that was easy like lowers fist 
I came here to, to put up fighting talk and have to battle it and, and get it covered and, and not have to pay for it. But it was like, oh, they, that was oddly easy. Um, it's funny when I've always been impressed recently by Apple's like diagnostics tools that they run on everything. Um, you know, with an iPhone or an iPad, you basically just connect their Wi-Fi and then they can remotely run diagnostics on it. Um, it's pretty cool. But they can actually do the same with the AirPods as well. They plug a little box into a Mac and uh, they can run a load of diagnostics on your AirPods, which is pretty funky. I think it says that there's probably quite a bit of intelligence actually built into the uh, the case or the AirPods themselves. The flip side, or the other thing, is I finally got to try the new 16-inch MacBook Pro yesterday as well. And oh my god, that keyboard is perfect. It is so much better in every way than the butterfly keyboard. I can't believe it's taken me so long to try one and I really want one. Mm. Would would you justify it just on, on that though? Oh, hell no. Well, they're like 2,500 pounds they start at or something like that because they they start at like the Core i7, 16 gigs of RAM, 512 gig SSD. Like they start at a pretty decent spec and there's no way it's like nuts spending that much money on a on a laptop like that. But it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do when it when it filters down to the uh, to the 13 inch. Um, I think that'll be a, a big thing. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, 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 ju- I'm just taking note and reference of that oh no i'm not spending the money on that and what did you said that in this day you must you must have a whole like, notebook okay. filled with things that i've said and then <laughs> straight back on immediately yeah um we'll see how long not that buying lasts. an iphone 11 not buying airpods not buying an apple watch it's all worked out so well mm, i know yes exactly um so all in all, your experience was good at the Apple Store, right? Which is weird because when I yeah, I was going to say probably when I've probably had to go to the Genius Bar in in recent times, which to be fair isn't a whole lot, which I guess speaks volumes anyway. But it's always been difficult. Like I think the last time I had to go was when I had the battery replaced in my iPhone Seven, and then they they broke the speaker and the well the microphone and the speaker. Um, and well within the when you get the battery replaced, even if your phone is out of warranty. You still have the kind of three month uh, workmanship warranty that starts from the day that they repair it and I was like I'd only gone a week probably or two weeks maybe so well within that three months and the, the first guy I spoke to who actually like started the initiated the, the repair they were going to replace like the screen and whatnot for me and he was like yep free of charge you sign the thing that says it you know the authorization thing that says it's zero pounds fantastic mm. come back two hours later got a new screen new speaker you know new everything um, all fixed and the I was like, so that's 179 pounds. It's like, um, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> Um, and it's like, luckily, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I would have been able to fight anyway, but luckily I had my iPad on me. I connected to their Wi-Fi and I go, here's the email you sent me an hour ago <laughs> with a copy of the authorization that says zero pounds on it. Mm. It's like, I'm not paying for something that you broke. Um, it was working it's fine until that. you replaced the battery. Yeah. But it's just like, I mean, it was just a breakdown of communication there. And I'm sure, and you know, they were still pretty okay about it. It was just weird. The, the second guy was just, you, you know, when they try and turn it around, like it's your fault somehow mm. um, well you did really... take it into the Apple store Aaron I mean surely well, you yeah, understood true. that it was just really kind of awkward but um, yeah a few times previous to that as well I've just been like I mean you know how it is you sometimes have to do an unnecessary amount of, of fighting and it's like me and you obviously don't go in with like we don't deliberately break something and then try and get something for free you know Apple probably have to deal with so many people every day that mm. like the new iPhone comes out and all of a sudden everyone's previous generation iPhone break it's like oh how convenient <laughs> yeah. um but it's like i don't think me and you have ever gone in for any like nefarious reason or like even unjustified a lot of the times it is within warranty and it still feels like or felt like you had to battle them and i, I know as an apple customer it is something we have to appreciate the fact that we can actually go somewhere can actually get something replaced and repaired in person because i know for so many other companies it's like a completely different story um but yeah a decent apple store experience for once um store as busy as ever though i'll tell you that so many people just still that awkward thing when you check into the genius bar and it's like just go stand anywhere in the vicinity of the shop and then we'll find you it's like all oh, right okay <laughs> this is gonna go awkwardly stand by a counter and then get in everyone's way <laughs> sounds about right um but yeah on the whole on the whole what we were saying about but apple and the whole apple store experience i think for somewhat and maybe it was just a, a bunch of isolated experiences and incidents but i had certainly felt that that 
yeah, that that sort of bit off more they could than what they could chew, and by that I mean before you know they were much more accommodating, and that that sort of accommodation seemed to disappear for a while. But going off what I've heard, what I've experienced myself, I, it seems all right now. And again, that's just we're going off a couple of stores here and um, a few isolated incidents and experiences from a few people so but on the whole i think yeah definitely the apple store experience is still valid and still there and uh, they're, they're still you know doing what what they've always done and i think it points back to something which certainly is proving itself now and that apple is in perfectly safe hands under tim cook's reign and, and we talked about when when tim cook took over uh, when jobs resigned um before he sadly passed away the, so many people were up in arms in in 2012 was it 2012 2011 2012 11 so many people were up in arms and saying how apple was doomed and ruined and and wasn't going to really be the company it was and be around and yada 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 and that just wasn't true i think it's important to see that the cook has done an amazing job and not just him it's, you know it's not just one person it's full team behind him and they have they have flourished in the last five, ten years as well. And not to say that jobs didn't, but they've continued that legacy. So it's good to see, and uh, especially if you're a shareholder. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Not, not that we're speaking from experience or anything. Yeah. But um, I think one of the things we have to kind of remember at the Apple Store is we're probably, the good experiences we have had in the past, we're probably coming from a time before, you know, Apple exploded, basically. You know, I remember going to the Apple Store in the really early days, and this is like pre-iPhone, very early iPhone, and like it just wasn't that busy, and you felt like you got the, uh, the slightly better experience, whereas I think Apple just struggled slightly, like the store just didn't really work when they had the explosion of popularity. Mm. Um, even in the physical sense, the way the store layout and the, the fact there was no queue and you know all that kind of Apple Apple stores are a very I don't want to say fluid experience, but you know there is no queue. Like there's just lots of staff around and whatnot, and it just it didn't really scale all that well. Yeah, um, and I think that's something they struggled with slightly, and I think the experience suffered slightly but they seem to be doing better Absolutely. i'd be interested yeah. to see if you go to like in milton Keynes, where the apple store is if you when you walk back to the car park there's a massive samsung store like <laughs> easily as big if not bigger than the apple store there's no one in there yesterday just the staff it was really funny to see i mean it was towards the end of the day but this is coming from the point when the apple store was rammed with customers at the same time of day samsung store nobody in there but the staff um it would be interesting to see what kind of if you do need uh, like a Galaxy phone repairing, w- what would the experience be like? Let's try it. You don't want to change. God, do you remember those days when I decided that, yeah, I'm going to go Android. Yeah, my next phone's going to be Android. Uh, how well that worked out. <laughs> I knew. I told you. I told you. Touché, uh, you did. As we said at the start of the show, we're going to talk about this week background location tracking. It's 68% after the launch of iOS 13, and that is because Apple have been more prominent and proactive in alerting users to that location tracking uh, in, in the software. The UK have said they will not implement Article 13, the EU Article 13, copyright law, once the UK leaves the European Union. Um, I, I'm sorry, I said it. I mentioned Brexit on the show. Yes, we said it. And Sonos, uh, they're, they've updated um, some of their products and the owners have reacted angrily to their announcements uh, that they will no longer off- offer and issue software updates for older devices from May this year. Is that the right thing to do? Planned obsolescence? lessons or is it just them trying to keep the devices running as well as they can we'll talk about that after the quick news the metropolitan police has announced it will use live facial recognition cameras operationally for the first time on london street cameras will be in use for five to six hours at a time with bespoke lists of suspects wanted for serious and violent crimes drawn up each time Police say the cameras identified 70% of suspects, but an independent review found much lower accuracy. Privacy campaign has said it was a serious threat to civil liberties. Cameras will be clearly signposted covering a small targeted area, and police officers will hand out leaflets about the facial recognition scanning the Met has said. Amazon Music now has more than 55 million customers worldwide, according to a company press release. The announcement represents the first time Amazon has shared growth metrics for a streaming service, which is catching up on Apple's Music's last subscriber count of over 60 million last June. The figure is actually a tally of customers across several tiers that offers uh, Amazon Music. Amazon Music Unlimited is the $9.99 a month plan that serves as a direct rival to Spotify and Apple Music. According to Amazon, subscription numbers on this tier grew by more than 50% last year alone. 
Home DNA testing company 23andMe is laying off 100 employees, which is around 14% of its workforce. The layoffs primarily affect the operations team, according to a CNBC report that was published on Thursday. The downsizing reflects a shrinking market for DNA kits. Illumina, which makes genetic sequencing technologies that counts 23andMe among its customers, reported that sales were down across the industry in an earnings call last summer. Genome sequencing company Veritas Genetics also nixed its US operation last year and laid off around 50 employees after struggling to raise capital. And finally, the next version of Safari will remove Adobe Flash support. You can see a glimpse of this move in Safari Technology Preview 99. Safari Technology Preview STP is a special version of Safari different from the one built into Apple's operating system. It's a separate app you can download to give developers an idea of what features are coming with the next web technologies. In STP 99, support for the legacy Adobe Flash technology has been dropped. Flash has been slowly dying since 2017 when Adobe announced it would stop supporting it by 2020. Other companies have been slowly removing support over the years, so most users probably won't notice the change. And iOS users won't be affected because Apple's mobile operating system has never supported Flash in the first place. So, facial recognition cameras. Yay or nay, Aaron? It's such an odd one. I, I, I fully am on the side of where the privacy campaign is coming from. It is potentially an invasion of privacy, I think. But on the flip side, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, this is like one of the most CCTV'd countries in the world, and we've just sort of gotten used to it. Like, mm. is facial recognition really that big of a next step? Um, obviously, it does offer some benefits. Let's not... I think we kind of have to, like, take the tinfoil hats off sometimes and understand that the police aren't doing this just because they want a picture of you. Um, like, they are doing this for a reason, and they want to catch criminals. That is the whole point of it. Um, and we already know, I, I think in the past, uh, certain large uh, music artists or music groups have used facial recognition. I think Taylor Swift might have done at her concert. Um, I think for like to avoid like stalkers or, or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, it has already been used in certain private venue situations. Um, to which effect, I don't know. I don't know if it, if it was, if it would be classed as successful or not. But yeah, I think as a country that obviously we're so deeply ingrained and we're just kind of used to the fact that everywhere is covered in CCTV um, which has proved beneficial you see essentially not when any crime happens but when a lot of crime happens within a city or within a town police are normally able to release some kind of CCTV footage now we have to remember all CCTV cameras in this country seem to be from about 1855 and are about 4 pixels by 3 pixels and in black and white Um, so to to the their uses of varying amounts, but um, yeah, I, it's like that, that, that. I don't know how you explain it. It's one of those those things where we talk about it, and you're like, you can see both sides of the fence, and it's like you sit on both sides. Um, I get it. An invasion of privacy, you know, how if abused can have pretty uh, large negative effects. But if it is successful, it can also have a fairly large positive impact. Um, if you have large crowds of people, you can't expect just, you know, deploying police numbers to solve that kind of a problem. You do need the aid of technology, and I think it can be a beneficial thing. I do think there is a risk that it can not be abused, but I think it can be used for other purposes. Hmm. It's it's kind of a, a mixed bag. Technology, if technology is in the right manner, then I, I never really have an issue with it. I guess the only issue you can have is in this technology being misused. But if it's regulated, then hopefully that's not going to be a, a thing. Either you say that potentially could. It's it's hard to know. But I'm certainly not totally against it because anything that reduces crime figures in an area is only going to be welcomed, surely. And as you said, I mean, CCTV is already a very significant part of, of life within the UK, and I'm guessing any developed country now, really. It's just if, if you go out, you're, you're, yeah, you're, I mean, it's it's not legal to take photos in a public place, and it works the same way around. It's not legal to, to put a CCTV camera up in a public place. So I, I do believe, like, the UK, I don't know if it still does, but did for a long time hold, like, some kind a record for the most amount of square footage in an area covered by some kind of CCTV like it is. We just got used to it as well. It just sort of like, yeah, I don't know, it's what we just came to expect. And I don't think that's uh, necessarily an excuse or, or kind of a thing that we can go, oh, well, you know, we're so used to CCTV. I, I, I think it is obviously a fact, but whether it's a good fact is a whole other question. I, I don't think we should just accept it because that's how it is. 
Um, but uh, I have seen many a time, you know, if you follow lots of uh, British police accounts on, on Twitter, you do see that things like CCTV um, and I think facial recognition using like private venues and whatnot has been effective in the past. And I never want to be one of those. It's like, oh, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. But sometimes it's just that fact, it's, you know, so, so much of the, of the country or business premises, you basically any shop you walk into, any street in any major city or town you go through, you are being looked at by a camera and being recorded. It, it, it's if you have nothing to hide, then you in theory have nothing to worry about. That is, if everything is done by the book and above board, which we've seen oh so many times how, you know, these things get into the wrong hands, they're not secured very well. Like there's a plethora of things that can happen. Yeah. And if they can happen, they usually will happen. Um so I think it'll be really interesting to see how, let's give it five, ten years, let's see how this data gets handled um, and whatnot, obviously, potentially a little bit more sensitive than things like uh, CCTV. But yeah, it is all about the, if you, if, you, if you don't have anything to hide, you don't have anything to worry about, in theory, if everything is done correctly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the key, if it's done correctly. Apple Music, 55 million subscribers, gaining on Apple Music with uh, 60 million last year, which is not 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 half uh, just over half at what spotify has at 100 million which was last last ninth recorded whatever at 2019 april 2019 so what we see from that spotify are still the main contender but interestingly enough the likes of apple music and amazon music are still significant which is nice there's an equal equal market share no one has a true monopoly even though spotify does in a way but but there's still significant numbers coming from those other streaming services, which is very welcomed. It would be interesting to see um, Google Music, Tidal, you know, those, especially the, the other ones which offer lossless, and that would be interesting. <laughs> Ten subscribers. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know anyone who has Tidal, do you? Um, no, I will just always remember the guy in the music shop trying to sell it to us, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I have actually been looking at slightly higher fidelity playback on my uh, on my Mac recently, and I um, I have a bunch of CDs just because most of the music I listen to comes from the era when you can only buy it on CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and do you also want to admit to the the, the ladies and gentlemen listening, what you were going to buy this day two weeks ago while we were in oh in England? Oh well, you vinyl. Were, I, need, I, I need, uh, yes. I need all Blink One Eight. I need all Blink One Eighty Two albums on vinyl, and it must happen. Um, I don't. I just appreciated my bank balance at the time because weirdly, vinyl is like sporadic in price. Like a latest album can be, let's say, twenty pounds, and then an album from fifteen years ago can easily be thirty-five. It's a confusing world out there. But um, I ripped a load of like I I deleted most of my old music library on iTunes, and I I re-ripped a bunch of CDs I have onto my Mac just to kind of play around with listening to playback. And I'm only playing through normal desktop speakers like nothing you know no 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 fancy super high quality hi-fi setup or anything so I, w- I would have been very surprised if i could have heard any kind of difference but um lo and behold i think i've got spotify set to uh, like extreme playback or whatever the high quality playback is if you're a premium member um and i played the same song bearing in mind the songs came out in about 2003 2004 so kind of pre all streaming and kind of the very uh, not very early but the early itunes store and whatnot so early digital purchasing um and safe to say i couldn't notice a difference at all between i think i i, I ripped the cds and itunes you can rip an apple lossless which mm. means the files are quite big but you do get kind of pretty much you get as close to possible as the uh, cd as you can and i think spotify is like I, th- I think it's still mp3 at 320k maybe in their extreme setting which isn't very extreme but um yeah it's like it's really hard for anyone who doesn't have some kind of like super wizard headphones or super high fidelity hi-fi um like not being on one of these streaming platforms like it's, it's so hard to justify it it's crazy we we've said it so many times it's crazy how much music we've both discovered like oh yeah it's yeah. easy to find new genres you like new artists you like new songs you like like when we were let's say living in that itunes world where you had to buy everything i appreciate the fact that the artist potentially got more money out of you yeah. but on the flip side there are so many artists that i would never have heard of would never listen yeah. to wouldn't give any money to had it not been for any of these streaming services i mean in our case specifically spotify but we'll discover so much music now 
when you when you create a playlist, when you listen to an album or an artist or whatever, Spotify does that thing. I think Apple Music might do. I don't know if Amazon Music does. Um, but they basically just carry on playing songs that are similar to the ones you listen to. And yeah. it's, it's a great way of discovering new artists and new music. And, and when, when we did live in the iTunes world, you had to be like, you had to buy a song or buy an album. You had to be so sure that you wanted that. And like, there was quite a high barrier. Whereas now it's so easy to just go around and listen to songs and discover what you like and rediscover stuff and 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 discover new stuff like it i think it's fantastic what these streaming services are doing maybe that comes at the expense of of some audio quality and i still think streaming services can do a lot better at giving back to the artist and um, we still see that it's very common for big name artists and um, probably less so over the past couple of years but i think you look at the likes of adele um i think she kept her obviously any album she releases is going to be pretty big in the world um i think she kept her latest album off of streaming for like a month or two like almost like an exclusive period to kind of maximize money because you know as soon as it goes on streaming your 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 monetary income is going to go down massively i think also it's important to uh, to, to mention you said about discovery of other artists and other music because given previously before streaming you had to be very sure that you wanted to listen to that song or that album in order to buy it and that's true and some artists have been negatively affected by this in that, and I'm talking about the very mainstream ones, which would have 100% had album sales regardless of streaming or not. And streaming has worked for, well, I can't say most artists, but it's, it's worked to the benefit of a lot of artists because they wouldn't have made it otherwise, they or they wouldn't be as popular because they didn't have a platform to become popular on. And I appreciate some artists have in some way, shape or form, quote, suffered um, through loss of CD sales or so on and so forth. Um, and, and they do complain they don't get the same royalties. And I'm not saying that's not the case. I still think they should get more, um, given it's their content. But there are artists out there who are probably very thankful for streaming, given that they probably wouldn't have had a break or a chance if it hadn't been for streaming. So it's, a, it's kind of a double-edged sword um, in that event. I think... That's exactly it as well. I think there have been, we always talk about how technology over the past few years, past probably decade or so, has leveled the playing field. I think YouTube did it for, for the video and film industry. And these streaming services, I think, are very much doing it for the, the music industry. I, I do also think that YouTube's had a hand in the music industry as well. It's like, it's so easy for anyone now. You can create a song. I mean, you, you hear about it all the time, like even with big name artists. I think you, you look at the likes of like Billie Eilish recently and whatnot and it's like her and her brother i think just created most of their stuff in their bedroom and it's like gone on to be an absolutely massive artist and i think one of the wonderful things about technology and about specifically it being so accessible to anyone is you don't need to be signed with a big label you don't need to have pay for lots of expensive studio time and whatnot it is a lot easier obviously it is still i think you know quality still rises to the top it's it's not like obviously it, it changes that fact but you don't have to have you know like i say you don't have to be signed or have a big studio budget or whatever anyone can do it um anyone with a macbook can can or or, or you know even a pc can can create music now and you've got a streaming service or youtube that you can just upload basically for free especially youtube and be discovered um, there are so many artists in the past decade or two that that's how they got their start um even yeah. massive big name artists that are now signed it's like it, it it's it's one of the things I think I can speak for both of us that we absolutely love about technology is the fact that it really does like it takes the hierarchy out of the world slightly, doesn't it? It uh, it levels the playing field in in so many different industries. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Twenty three and Me, a DNA testing company, um, laying off a hundred employees, which is never good. Forty um, percent of its workforce, not quite a fifth, but not not million miles off it. I guess. I mean. Th- <laughs> Something that I, I didn't realise was as popular as what it might might have been. Um, something I've never done myself, have you? No, I I, I always wanted to, and then I think... Kind I'm just of... worried about the legitimacy of them, and, you know, you're going to get information back, and how much of that information is actually going to be, oh, yeah, that's true, I am that, or that, oh, that is me. Or, I you think know. the... Uh... I think the accuracy has been pretty well verified. I think it's just obviously, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the show at some point. It's like they had some um, privacy concerns at some point, which mm. for things like DNA is 
was moderately worrying. Um, and that's kind of when I think it lost its appeal for myself, and I assume for so many other people. But 23 Me was definitely one of those. It is definitely, I talk about like the gone, but um, kind of like a novelty. Like it's, uh, oh, this is really cool. It's like, do you remember the old like ancestry.co.uk ads and whatnot? Like all these, yeah. find your family tree. These services still very much exist, but they definitely went through a heyday. Um, and they found their market. Um, people still very much use, use them, like them, but uh, they go through uh, peaks and troughs when they're when they're popular, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, Safari removing Adobe Flash support, which is nothing, it's nothing short of anything of a surprise, really. Uh, Apple have never been known to support or like Flash any more than what they had to, especially when iOS came out and they didn't support it ever, which do you remember there was a big uproar when that was the case? No, iOS doesn't support Flash. Or well, iPhone OS at the time. Uh, well, and I now mean, we're sort of saying, yeah, thank you, Apple, for that. Yeah. I mean, you remember that letter that Steve Jobs penned about yeah. Flash? Um, you're right. When iOS or when mobile Safari came out, it was like, it was ludicrous that it didn't support Flash, even for years after that. Mm. Um, and I kind of think we have Apple to thank for the fact that the web has improved so much. I can, you know, as a web developer, never, I kind of arrived after I think Flash had its heyday. And um, and I can attest to how much better the web, I think, is today. How much, like, the technology is improving so much quicker. Um, and I don't think any of this comes as a surprise. I think you're right. I think it's, like, it's just like routine stuff now. Adobe, I believe, are ending support at the end of this year. I think 31st December 2020 is when they end their official support. Um, don't know kind of how security updates, if there will be any past that. Um, I don't know what support they're ending this year, but um, if just feels like all browsers and all OSs will re- remove support for it this year. It's been a long time, or I thought it had been a long time since I went on a Flash-based website, and then I went to watch something on Channel 4 the other day online. I thought, I'll just go to 4 On Demand and go and watch it online. And then it goes, you need Adobe Flash Player installed. And it's like, ah, now I remember what 2005 felt like. <laughs> it's just like, like I say, I haven't been on a website in an awfully long time that was Flash-based, yeah. and all of a sudden it's like Channel 4 still got their on-demand stuff based in Flash. It was ridiculous. Like, the people who make this are abandoning it this year. You should probably, like, HTML5 video, come on a long way. You know, it's been a long time since YouTube switched over and is no longer Flash-based. Like, if YouTube can do it, anyone can do it. Precisely, precisely. Uh, speaking of changes, Apple in iOS 13 have been more proactive, much more proactive, in alerting users to the background location tracking going on. It's resulted in a 68% drop in the location data collected by apps. The issue has also seen greater media attention, with many people now learning about the existence of commercial location tracking databases. iOS has long offered users control over what and whether apps can track your location, but iOS 13 has just two changes that have made users much more aware of the issue. First, when an app is using location tracking in the background, iOS 13 periodically launches a pop-up that reminds the user that they granted this permission and offers the option to switch it off. Second, now have the option of requiring an app to ask for permission every single time it wants to access our location. Google has followed, followed suit actually with uh, similar privacy protections in Android 10. What's interesting about these figures is that it makes me think, were users actually aware their location was being tracked most of the time? Or is it just a case of it's easier to turn it off now and of course they're going to turn it off when it's not necessary? Or a bit of both? I think reminding users um, and making them aware of, of... A lot of users, I think, will allow location to, or allow access to their location. But I think then periodically reminding a user it's like, actually, you know, this app has been using your, you know, location in the background here, here, and here, and it's been tracking, you know, seven times in the past week. Like, I think a, a reminder is always good, you know, and then allowing the user going, do you want to continue allowing this? Um, which I think is fine. Um, we've always praised iOS on what it's done to kind of help privacy, I guess, um, especially when it comes to things like location and things that the device can control. I find it ironic that Google are like, yeah, we're going to do this as well, when it's like they're one of the worst offenders on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of apps that for a long time, Apple didn't necessarily, Apple always had kind of an allow and deny, but for a long time, um, it was basically up to uh, developers what kind of allow or deny that you wanted um so you could have a like a don't allow or always 
always allow option, um, or you can have a don't allow or only while using the app. And I believe it was up to the developers. So they just always put don't allow or always allow, and which would allow the background. But now I think Apple have changed it. So you can say only while the app is open or only this one time or allow it in the background or never, um, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, I don't think it comes as a surprise. I, I think when this was announced, I think we all we all kind of thought that this, this would happen. I think these numbers are pretty drastic um, mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, but yeah, I think anything to, to regain a little bit of privacy, you know, people's world, people's entire world is on their phone these days. Their phone goes everywhere with them. Um, I don't think every app on the on the planet needs to know where they've been at all times. So I, I think this is only a good thing. App developers have obviously been able to monetize on location data by letting advertisers serve location-based ads, allows them to promote local outlets or push offers on products sold nearby. The piece says that they'll obviously still be able to do this by using your IP address, but that provides a less reliable and more granular location to the advertiser or to whoever the data is being sold to, rather than um, a fully accurate pin down of your location. The increasing number of VPN services being used as well protects against sort of man-in-the-middle attacks from, you know, these hotspots. But this this is only a good thing in my eyes because the location data, it doesn't really serve a purpose for the user in any way unless they actually want to proactively use it when they're not wanting to use it. All it does is drain the battery, send location data, which is data which they don't probably want to send to advertisers they don't want to advertise to. So all Apple have done is, is do them a favor, potentially not so much the app developers though for you is this something that overly concerns or no concerns whatsoever this is a good thing i don't think there's anything wrong with this yeah there's not much more to say it is it is a fact it is a figure it it's clear that being more proactive around the matter has resulted in in a significant drop nearly i mean 68 percent, nearly 70 percent. so that's that's not to be shied away from speaking of privacy speaking of copyright speaking of laws the uk will not implement the eu's article 13 copyright law when it comes to brexit um universities and science minister chris skidmore has said the uk will not implement the eu copyright directive after the country leaves the eu Several companies had criticised the law, which would hold them accountable for not removing copyrighted content uploaded by users if it is passed. The EU member states have until the 7th of June 2021 to implement the new reforms, but the UK will have obviously left the EU by then. The UK was among 19 nations that initially supported the law. That was in its final European Council vote in April 2019. The problem is, it was going to be terrible for the internet. Copyright is the legal right that allows an artist to protect how their original work is used. The EU Copyright Directive that covers how online content sharing services should deal with copyright protected content, such as TV programs and movies. It refers to the services that primarily exist to give the public access to protected works or other protected subject matter uploaded by its users, such as SoundCloud, Dailymotion and YouTube. It was Article 13 which prompted fears over the future of memes and gifs still uh, pictures animated or short video clips that go viral as well since they mainly rely on copyrighted scenes from tv and film it's refreshing to see that the uk sort of has a different stance on the matter even though they did vote for it in the final ec vote taking aside any politics here but all i'm saying is you know i mean clearly the uk has a different uh, opinion on the matter it's a positive thing um like you say you don't want to we don't want to bring politics into a course but you know i think i guess when you stand as a as a single nation you probably have slightly more control over this and, and feel less pressured to have to implement this stuff it we've talked about over the years i think the uk have had some questionable um decisions when it comes to technology laws just go go look back at the digital economy bill the eu have obviously had some questionable ones as well article 11 and 13 being two of them don't know what the state i can never remember the difference between the two don't know what the state of article 11 is within the uk at the moment this specifically just covers 13 um this feels like a bit of a win though this feels like a good thing like this was kind of a a a big worry for the internet in europe and when we heard so many companies um from outside of europe that were like basically i i think the eu wanted them to you know they were they want to implement all these rules and regulations whereas this stuff was going to be so financially impossible for any of these companies that it turns out that these companies like they were just going to pull their uh, pull their support within europe out so it's potentially nice to not be a part of that or, or soon to not be a part of that problem anymore um it did feel like one of those laws that is just made by a bunch of people who have no idea how technology or the internet works which is like we've said that so many times about uh, tech and privacy and kind of any of these laws it's just for all the good some of them do things like gdpr and whatnot you know there's another law around the corner that's just like who wrote this 
um, they're either archaic or just, like I say, have no idea how any of this stuff works. It's difficult um, to enforce this bit, though, because, I mean, the internet is a worldwide platform, and so if it's done in the UK, well, you're not breaching any law, but you do it in the EU, you're breaching the law, but where's the differentiation between the two? How do you understand what was actually done in the EU, in the UK? Okay, yes, IP addresses, but is that accurate? I mean... No, it's not. It's so, I, do you think it is? Yeah, it's fairly accurate. It's like, not that many people are masking their IP address to be from another country, so... And I mean, even if they are, even if they're masking... If someone in the US is masking their IP address to be within the EU, then all of a sudden, EU laws apply. Mm. I just... I, I think it's harder to enforce than that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't comply with the law, I'm just saying I think it's harder to enforce. Um, this hasn't been a popular law, law with anyone. I mean, Boris Johnson criticised it, saying that it was terrible for the internet. Quote, unquote, Google campaigned fiercely against the changes, arguing they would harm Europe's creative and digital industries and change the web as we know it. YouTube boss uh, Susan Ojiki also warned that users in the EU could be cut off from the video platform. Kathy Berry, professional support lawyer at Link Leaders, welcomed the government's stance in the law, claiming it will allow the UK to agree to a more tech-friendly copyright provision in free trade deals with other countries. I think that's that's probably a big part of it as well. See, we, we, we said, we, you said about how the UK was one of the countries that originally supported it, so it's not like it's, it's something we've always been against and now we just have an easy way out. We were very much for it and all of a sudden I, I think we have an easy way out. I think it's that the kind of the last point you said there is not having it makes creating trade deals easier, which is not the world's best reason, I, I think, to get rid of something. Obviously great for us as a consumer, but I think we do have to see potentially why we're abandoning it because it makes something slightly more Im- or something more important easier. Yeah, Tess agrees too by the signs of things. My dog is a uh, is a big advocate for uh, for <laughs> privacy and and security. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our final story for today, Sonos have sparked anger. They have annoyed their customers. They have annoyed the public. Uh, owners of Sonos products have reacted angrily to the firm's announcement. They will no longer issue software updates for older devices from May this year. Many have said they spent hundreds of pounds on Sonos speaker products for their homes over the years. Near Sonos products connected with the older ones will also be left out of future updates. It's kind of sneaky, um, considering they're expensive devices and yeah, the, you don't replace your speaker very often. I mean, you don't need to. It's all I'm guessing. Saying. Um, the, the, the change will affect four models sold between 2006 and 2015, including the AMP, uh, Connect, AMP, and Connect. I mean, 2006, okay, I can almost say, hmm, okay, right. But 2015, hmm. Without these updates, they'll eventually lose their functionality. Access to other services will also be limited. Sonos says the hardware had been stretched to its technical limits in terms of memory and processing power. And affected customers can upgrade to a new device with, again, a 30% discount in return for recycling the old product. This goes back to what we discussed a few weeks ago. Recycling your old product isn't actually recycling it, it's bricking it. Honestly, I have so many thoughts on this. As a Sonos owner, it's so annoying to read this type of stuff. Because mm. the, the products are amazing and the sound quality is superb. Fantastic, yeah. That's one of the great things. It's like, I think I tweeted out during the week. It's like, ah, oh, for God's sake. It's like, it's just, Sonos just making it impossible. Like, they've, on top of the e-cycling thing recently, it's like, it's so tough to want to kind of invest in that platform. I was reading people who have like thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars or pounds worth invested in the Sonos system over the past, you know, two decades or so um, because their stuff does unfortunately add up quickly. But when you spread it over that amount of time, it doesn't seem that bad. And now Sonos are basically going, and yep, we're going to drop support. See ya. And it's mm. not just like dropping support. I think I was also reading um, Sonos are also making it so if you have an older Sonos device that isn't supported on the same network as a newer device that is supported, it could potentially nix getting updates for the newer device as well um you know so it kind of like dumbs down its functionality to the oldest device which would be super annoying but you're right you hit the nail on the head speakers the technology doesn't change um you know speaker technology fundamentally hasn't changed in in 50 years i imagine now i appreciate technology has improved and and there have been changes in that but on the grand scheme of things unlike a phone or a watch or whatever smartwatch i should say you know that that does age over time it does get slower because of software updates and whatnot something that 
takes a digital music file and turns it into an analog signal feels like it shouldn't change over time i can appreciate maybe they're not getting new features but the whole like and we're dropping support see ya was kind of annoying now the ceo did come out after because this has caused like a huge backlash um the ceo did come out on the sonus website and clarify a few things and i believe they're still going to issue security updates and i believe so take for example let's say the old device has spotify running on it if spotify Spotify all of a sudden change their API and it stops working. I believe Sonos will fix that as well, but I think it just won't get new features. Someone put together a, a kind of interesting graph that shows the amount of RAM and storage on each Sonos device over the years, and it has exponentially increased over the past two years, uh, mostly due to the fact that they've added voice assistance in on all of the recent ones, something that requires a bit more oomph, a bit more processing power and a, and a bit more RAM. Um, but on the older devices and the devices that don't have them, it kind of still seems pretty sufficient. The irony is, kind of to this whole story, is one of the stories from last week that we actually didn't get around to and that was going to end up in this week was um, all of these companies um, testifying and kind of going up against the, 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 the big tech giants. And Sonos were one of the four in there. Um, and it's like even just a week later, they're coming out and, and kind of acting very much like a, a big tech giant would or we have seen them and it's just it's really disappointing it, it it really does i've seen a few people come out and say makes it feel like you truly don't own your devices anymore like you are just renting them off of these companies like it's it's not up to you when a when a product becomes let's say end of life or not suitable for your needs it's kind of almost dictated to you by uh the companies such as sonos um yeah just disappointing and with so many of these devices there is no default widely kind of popular analog way of getting your audio in these devices don't have a three and a half mil in or a lot of them don't have a three and a half mil in they don't have bluetooth you know something that stands the test of time and, and will be around for, for some time to come they don't have you are only stuck with going through wi-fi and in turn through their api and through their system if it stops working or stops existing you're pretty screwed now they do have airplay or a lot of them i should say have airplay so there is kind of a third party uh solution almost but it is super annoying one of the advantages, I think, to to investing in, let's say, Bose have always been pretty good. They they tend to have line in ports and Bluetooth connectivity as well. So yeah. even when the Wi-Fi services disappear, there will still be a a legacy way of getting audio in. Um, the and things like the sorry to interrupt the the just one last thing. Um, I kind of compare it when you invest in, let's say, a bunch of Amazon Echoes. Like they're they're a hundred quid, fifty quid, hundred and fifty quid each, whatever they are. You know, they're really not that much money. If it lasts five, ten years, like these are you go it had a good run i'm not promoting the idea of like e-waste and whatnot but like there wasn't that huge initial investment whereas a sonos thing two three four five hundred a thousand pounds invested that thing better damn outlast me <laughs> the cynical side of me here says that that sonos have manipulated this situation they've manipulated the product for for limited functionality for a limited amount of time to benefit themselves they have tried to monopolize their own products to benefit themselves and to put a, a planned obsolescence sort of tag on them. Whereas, as you say, Bose, you can connect to Bluetooth, three and a half mil jacks, you can pretty much use it for as long as you want. Whereas with Sonos, they decide because everything is digital and built in and it's pretty it's pretty Apple-like, isn't it? You you can't do anything with it. Um, and there's something tells me someone somewhere will hack this device to integrate a three and a half mil port, surely. Oh, I think that was one of the things that came out this week. It's like the open source community will just yeah. step up and, and create some firmware or something that we can run on these devices to keep them. Um, you know, Wi-Fi is a, is a standard. As long as you can connect to it, I'm sure there will be some way of getting audio to it. Obviously, one of the big things about Sonus is kind of that, that, that unique Sonus sound which i imagine is all done in software but as soon as it's you know figured out or cracked or whatever it is then then i'm sure the open source community will will, will run a mock with it the open source community does fantastic and amazing things for, for lots of product uh, for lots of projects i should say and one of the big things i've always loved about it is that taking something that feels very proprietary and all of a sudden making it very unproprietary like airplay is a big example um not long after airplay came out people were like and you can run an airplay server on a raspberry pi now um we spoke about a few months ago airplay 2 being cracked like it's just like this is what the community does they take something that if a company goes no oh, this is locked down and proprietary and and the open source community go challenge accepted mm. um which 
you know, one of the great things about the open internet is is that ability for. I appreciate that sometimes it probably infringes on some kind of IP somewhere, but I think when when well, we're forever battling companies like Sonos doing this, it kind of feels justified. I I was going to say that, but then if you think about it, it comes into and th- this is a perfectly um, legitimate question, which has been ongoing for years, especially when Apple said, "Oh, it's legal to jailbreak your device," and 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 the government basically said, "No, no, it's it's not legal." to jailbreak your device because you own it then apple said oh right well we'll we'll just we'll void your warranty if you jailbreak your device two very different things saying it's legal to do something or avoiding the warranty when you do it completely separate non-related that's fine apple can void the warranty if you modify their device you're not agreeing with their terms and conditions of keeping the device and keeping a warranty within the device fine and so they don't have to service it for you um without you paying obviously but and I'm maybe speaking out of context here and out of turn, but I would say that modifying a Sonos to continue its its life wouldn't be a breach of IP. It may again, it may breach the warranty. Sonos might tell you to clear off if you ever went to them with a problem. But yeah, I I just I don't I don't like this. This isn't the way technology in 2020 when we're trying to build up a plethora of smart technologies which integrate with each other, talk and communicate with each other in a universally non-proprietary accepted platform. This doesn't seem to be the right way to go about it. But it's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, I think with the Apple story and, and with that kind of IP infringement, we were very much talking new devices, things that just come out. Whereas if Sonos are going to high and dry users after 10 years, then it feels like, well, the warranty expired a long time ago. And, yeah, you know, they, they've basically made the product obsolete. Do what you want with it. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't feel that bad about throwing throwing some open source firmware on there. It's happened to many things in the past. There was a, there was a big time when routers weren't that good or they were super locked down and, and the big thing to do was there was something called Tomato firmware that you could put on like uh, Linksys, Netgear, like all these routers um, that basically took the functionality and improved it massively um, all ran by the open source community. Like it, it, It's a thing that's always happened for, for as long as tech has been around and it's a thing that will continue to happen. It, it's like I say, it, it's inevitable. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what does happen. I think come May, um, probably even come a couple of years from now, let's see how these Sonos devices hold up. Let's see what Sonos are doing. Do they issue updates? Do they say what they're going to do? Um, or is it now totally reliant on other people? Mm, yeah, bespoke third party of Sonos. Mm. I hope, I hope the backlash, the anger, the, the negative publicity will maybe make Sonos think, hmm, this isn't good for our, our, our brand. And, and potentially what they're trying to do is make it good for their pockets. They're trying to sell more newer devices, but people are not going to buy more newer devices if it's just going to be a repeat of what's happened to their previous ones. They're going to think, no, 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 I, I didn't pay a thousand pounds for two speakers just for Sonos to tell me five, ten years later, mm, you're not using those anymore when they're perfectly good. And I understand, yes, okay, the technology inside them, especially considering what Sonos do and how they do it, but uh, part of that is a load of rubbish. They just 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 support them differently. They're trying to keep their in-house development teams slim and slender, and not having to accommodate other devices. But when you're charging that much money for products, you have to be prepared to support them for an extended period of time. Given how you're developing them and and and, and keeping them a closed system, my two pence anyway. That brings us to the end of episode 495. As always, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Join us next week for a special episode, a very special episode, celebrating a decade of the show. Ten years. The first episode went out on January the 30th, 2010. And so the nearest to that will be next week, which will be, as far as I'm aware, February the 2nd. No, February the 1st. You see, everything's done <laughs> done live here. Uh, for more episodes of the show, you can listen on over at munchtech.tv for the Ultimate Guide to Podcasting. munchtech.tv forward slash Ultimate Podcast Guide. If you're listening on a mobile device, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile. And of course, for our interview with Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, computing pioneer and engineering genius, munchtech.tv forward slash was. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. Again, join us next week for episode 496, 10 years of the show. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.